Well, today's a very special guest. Thank you, Rob Bell, for having time in your day for an East Coast person like me. Thank you. Yeah. An East Coast person. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, but I grew up surfing, so I know that whole vibe as well. Okay. Yeah. So great. So we are we are here, and I want to say two things up front. One, piddle piddle piddle. <laughs> right, which nobody knows unless they've read it. Um, but then the other one is uh, I finished your book last night, and I thought to myself, I think I'm a severed ten. I don't know because the trilogy is not done yet. But yeah. That's all. Trilogy? I really want to start with those two. It's a it's a trilogy. I thought you said that. Isn't it book one? Is book it book one? Okay. What book? That's book one. But <laughs> look at how you just went to it's a trilogy. You have a you have a book one. Okay. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? All right. We have a lot. We have a lot. We have a lot of places we got to go. <laughs> so I have a, a few questions written out here, but to be honest, we'll just. Let this be what it wants to be, right? Right? No need to tell it what it needs to be. So, uh, Rob, you just finished writing this book called Where'd You Park Your Spaceship, which is one of the most interesting titles for science fiction I've ever heard. But it came to you in a dream, and then it it like had a positive haunting on you. What's going on (laughs) there with the title? I've never read science fiction. I, mean, I think I read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy years ago. Otherwise, that's not a genre I know I I have any familiar with uh, that I know of. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. The this first guy asks this guy, "Where'd you park your spaceship?" And it like stays with me. Like I can't stop thinking about this guy. Well, where? Well, where are they? Oh, they're on the planet Furtis. Well, what's the one guy's name? Oh, he and Grew Bears, obviously. G R U dash B A R E S. Well, who's the guy who asked him the question? Oh, Dill Tud. Of course, Dill Tud. Yeah. And it just grows and grows and grows. And then I start making notes in the closet where my shoes are and like just sort of like an old, like a scrap of paper, just. Yeah story just grows and grows and I do remember the moment of like oh like like when the one character writes Nord writes a play and it it's a play I had written I was like wait does he write the play that I wrote a couple years ago <laughs> so there was like, like a whole series of uh, letting like how would I, how do I do it? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like the voice yeah. on your shoulder that's like John goes, "Well, how to how does this genre work, or what does this method?" But then there's like the moment of, "Well, how does John do it?" Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, the creative process is different for every person, and I think that's part of the the magic to it. We all try to copy paste, and then you have something that doesn't feel right. Yeah. Yeah, there's like a stillness. That's how that's how I understand it. There's a a, a spacious, 
formless, empty stillness, essentially out of which all creation arises, all thoughts, mm -hmm. all senses, perceptions. But yeah, when people are like, where do ideas come from? No one knows. No. They appear. And, and the clearer your antenna is, like the the less is happening, the, the more, it's not like you drop a thought, thoughts drop you. Right. Until you're, yeah. Until you're simply just present and then the things arise that, yeah, you, it's like you never could have cooked up and yet there they are. Yeah. <laughs> you, that fascinating? Uh, I mean, it absolutely is because my own journey is, uh, I found myself to be an Enneagram five a number of years ago. Which shouldn't be a What's surprise. That mean? What's that uh, mean? The, What's any, five mean? The five is the investigator, the one that reads. I mean, I got all these books oh. behind me. Mm -hmm. The one mm -hmm. that's actually stuck in his head because he's actually very fearful. And the way to navigate pain is to know everything about the world before the pain can hit you. But Oh, so it can't hurt you. Got you. Yeah. The whole the whole gist, though, is of growth. And I I believe you're a seven as well. The head types, we got to learn to sit down into our bodies more often and be present to the yeah. intuition rather than up here all the time because this right, is safe. Right, right. This feels predictable. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not where creation happens. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's very well said. That's very well said. Yeah. But that's fascinating that you wrote a science fiction book, but you don't have any um, – previous history with it what i think that maybe helps with and this is just a guess is you don't have any rules about what science fiction is supposed to be and anything energetically that has any sort of suppose or should energy mm -hmm. in all of life i like yeah no <laughs> Is that like nope. a rebellious side? Because I have that too. Or is it just uh, something else? It can be. It can be. In health, it's like the long, wonderful evolution to where people are like, you should put on a seatbelt. They're oh. like, okay. But otherwise, you're just listening for how you would do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't have it. No, I didn't. And a it was funny because when I... I was telling a friend what I was writing. A friend of mine was like, "Oh, you should watch da da da. da. You should read da da da." da. And I was like, "Wait, oh. I just told you about this book that I'm writing eight or nine hours a day. They're, it's coming in. We're fine. I don't need to right now watch a 11 hour television show or something." Oh yeah, it's just funny. It was just funny how he was like, "We, you know, you should get I, you know, these these will give you great ideas." And I was like, "I got." That's not the problem here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one thing that I thought was fascinating is uh, in your book, it's there's nuggets all over. And I was hearing phrases from podcasts that happened like five or six years ago. Oh, really? Oh, that's oh okay. yeah. And uh, I felt like there were phrases that were popping up. Like, oh, I've heard that before. And so I, I guess what I found myself thinking as I was reading it is that this is kind of like a mix of old and new and it but it still feels fresh and uh oh, I think there's something really beautiful to it's that whole idea of transcend and include baby yes 
Yeah, so, yeah, all these bits and pieces that we've stumbled upon across, along the way. They're all with us, and they shape us, and they form us, and then they come out. In our, yeah. and, and we're not even aware of, like if you, like I'm sure in your work, if you traced back, when did I first yeah. encounter that? When did I stumble into that? When did somebody say that? When did I hurt or was it enough pain that that truth came yeah. roaring in? Do you want to be liberated? Well, let's do some self-inquiry. Like, it's fascinating how we, we like duct tape together, like transcendent, transcendent include, which requires a fair bit of duct tape. And then we make these things. Then we make these things that we put in the world, and we do this work that's like this duct taping together of all these bits and pieces. Yeah, but yeah. I, I think that's part of what the um, <laughs> the shift is. I'm I'm jumping ahead in my questions here, but uh, the character Dill Tud was yes. just so fun because yes. he's such an unpredictable wild person but he seems to always have a wink happening at all times and those are some of the most interesting people to be around in real life that's all oh and i love how his um speech patterns are these off-kilter staccato yeah like, uh, he super connected and profound but then also sing-songy and like yeah. like when he's like yells across that park keen goo bears you bare knuckle brawler or how he's just, <laughs> he just can go off on the luster of a particular fabric and the thread count. Right. Like it's just, everything is a riff. Everything is a tangent. Therefore, there are no tangents. <laughs> right. And he doesn't seem to have a need to impress or defend anything. Oh, and that's, that's so true much. liberation there. Right. Oh, oh, you know, I mean, you know, if he had his own book, wouldn't that be awesome? That would be. <laughs> <laughs> Um, my friends make fun of me all the time because in a playful way, my favorite character of cinematic history is Rafiki from Lion King. Which one's that? One of the, one of the, he's animal the baboon. Approaches? He's the baboon shaman. Oh yeah. And so for me, I was reading it and I'm picking up, here's some vibes of this person who kind of comes in and comes out. You can't really predict where he comes from, but he seems to be holding an ancient wisdom on behalf of everyone. Yeah. And until they're ready to see it, until they're ready to, I mean, I won't say any spoilers, until they, in some ways, go looking after it for themselves. But how does that when, sit with you? <laughs> oh, right, right, right. When Dill Tud appears... Did you have like a, oh, this is, this is a main, this guy's going to be, I'm, we're going to be with this guy. This is something. Or were you like, huh? Oh, no. What that was. I was left thirsty for more of them all the time. Oh, good. So when he shows up and he's like, wait, he grew bears? How did he grow bears? Who, who knew? You were like, oh, please. Oh, please. Tell like, me we're going to meet this guy again. This guy can't just be a one-off. He needs to stay in this. And it was <laughs> so good. He like weaves back in. When yeah. Nunez appeared, were you, what did you feel? <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, I'm trying to think back. Maybe Joy? I don't know. She shows up in his bedroom. Yeah, because 
he he was well a little bit of spoilers he's naked for the first time in his life in his bed <laughs> and so what do you do when you all of a sudden you look up and you see a, a woman there who seems to know everything about how you operate and is a step ahead of you so yeah. she even had a sense of um like she was a step ahead of the game sometimes but then she's also doing her own exploration and like her worldview starting to crumble too oh so you could see you could see her like she's completely mystified by him like what what happened like we just do the job what dude you're in so deep i've yeah. never seen someone get like sucked into a place and completely yeah. lose all their berries and he's like but it appears like you're friends with yeah so he's watching her like is she made of steel or is she caving too that's right because she not to say that she was i love it that you said that's right I love it that I was talking about these characters and what happens to these characters about a book created by this guy and asked this guy and this guy was like, yeah, I think that's right. And I was like, oh, interesting that he sees that. Yeah, the roles that got switched. Awesome. One, of my, awesome. one of my questions here was, uh, this, is, this is a different book than some of your previous because your other ones are about you trying to explain an idea. And this one has yeah. very little explanation. Right. And so Good. one of my questions was, is your plan or your hope that we just Rorschach this like an ink blot and you see what I, what everybody sees or the whole thing seems like it's just uh Isn't that why we love stories? Yeah. You get yeah, three that's people true. and you have three people read the story and you get five perspectives on what happened. Yeah. And, on, and honestly, or, you know, two, three and four and five Robs ago, mm. my work was, my, a lot of my work was centered around explaining. And I loved mm. it. Uh, it was a wonderful life. And then something happened and it was, there is something about setting down explaining. Yeah. It's great. Like transcend and include. No problem with that. That was, a, that was a wonderful life. I just. I want to do this next. Yeah. And but, the, like this conversation with you, I was doing an interview in Brazil, 2018. Wow. And like question one was like, what's your stance on question two? What's your position about question three? Where uh, do you come uh, out on? And I remember just stopping the interview and being like to the interviewer and it's being like filmed just, I'm sorry. Do you just have a list of like the shittiest questions that are the least enjoyable things to discuss? Right. That have nothing to do with who you are and who I am. And yeah. just, you're just going to keep going down this list. And I'm expected to have these sound bite crisp, like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this I do. isn't, this isn't, so I, I, uh, something about this is very, very, uh, it, has, it holds a, a particular kind of power for me and joy, a particular kind of delight. And uh, even starting to do interviews about this book and talking to you and it's a, it, it, it's, I just find it to be incredibly enjoyable. Almost like I had an experience of oh, this yeah. story. Yeah. I had an experience of the story and then you had an experience and we're like talking about our experiences of it. 
and and connecting with each other. It just so happens one of us made the story, it. but even that person who made the story is sort of like, yeah, don't ask me. <laughs> it's just I just typed. Do you know what I'm saying? It's I very do. It, it it raises all it raises all sorts of questions about what a self even is. <laughs> well, and that's probably why the artists are so elusive. Nobody can really explain an artist, but you have to experience it. Like actually recently I went up to MoMA, the Museum of Modern Art in New York, and I went and saw Starry Night by Van Gogh in person. Oh, just like standing in front oh. of this historic piece, yeah. oh. being moved by it. Yeah. And we're we're in line and other people are turning around and taking selfies and half of their face is blocking the starry night. Starry night. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, we're mm-hmm. so used to separating ourselves from the experience of it that we want to <laughs> document it. And that leads us to not actually experience it. Oh, and when you like when you stand in front of a Van Gogh, there's one at the Portland Art Museum and uh, the his, the history and the mythology around it, like your yeah, like your your cells are like doing something. And you're thinking about what? Yeah, yeah. Have you read Irving Stone has a book called Lust for Life, which is a, a Van Gogh biography, a historical yeah. fiction biography, um, historical nonfiction. It you would love it. Have, having just it's had experience been that in my Amazon checklist one for of my, a while now. One of my yeah, I've read that book a number of times, and it it really has been a huge book for me. Because you're right, you're right. The the experience of it. Whew. There was a uh, a Van Gogh traveling exhibit where they would like project his stuff up on the walls. Yes, yes it was near. The, the when we lived in LA. It was near my house for a little while. Yeah, and I cried. And it's I think that mm. that was a such a beautiful moment. I actually took Jess's hand and had her feel like the tears because men aren't really encouraged to cry as often. It's certainly not a, an Enneagram five. That's all in his head, but there's something about, um, mystery, right? The formlessness, the symbols, all of these things. Um, I really hope, you know, the band Sigaros. Um, Oh my God. I wept at them when they came to Philly. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Their shows are something, huh? You're, you're just, yeah. Overwhelming. Um, Isn't it, think, what a lovely path you're walking. Well, thank you. Um, like you went to, you said you went to seminary. I did. Yeah. Yeah. So think about like, think about your lineage, like Martin Martin Luther. What's he do? He puts ninety five statements on a door. Like <laughs> that's how we'll that's how we'll deal with our pain. We'll put that's we'll right. put ninety. We'll just write some stuff. We'll say we'll arrange our furniture in our heads slightly differently. Yeah. So like you, uh, you were like the good son of a lineage, like played by the rules and did the game as it was shown to you, and then yeah, found except yourself like except I read too much of Heschel. You I were itchy much from the, the get go. You were itchy from the get go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think. Um, that's maybe why Rafiki resonates with me as a person. Mm-hmm. There's something about that role that feels timeless. And there's always going to be a place for yeah. people to hold the tradition for other people. But 
one of the things I experienced, and maybe we're not, maybe we're getting all a little off topic, but I found myself learning no so thing. much about the the mystical traditions of Sufism, not just Christianity, but all yeah. the other ones, yeah, yeah. and finding myself being pushed more and more out, even though I was just saying, hey, this is a part of our tradition. And so there's this strange place of you can actually be right next to the vein, the pulse of what the whole thing's really supposed to be about. And yet the institution will be like, nah. Yeah, there is no out. Like you can't be pushed out. That's not impossible. I'm going to ask you to say a little more if you don't mind. (laughs) Well, think about uh, what we know from the expansion of the universe. The universe is... There's a bang. It's big. You have 13.8 billion years of expansion. Yeah. So in an expanding universe, the technical term is it's an omnicentric universe. It simply means every, oh, yeah. if the universe is expanding, then every point within that universe is the center of that universe. Mm-hmm. So just the idea that somebody could push somebody out or marginalize or exclude somebody, that anybody anywhere could do anything that oh, would I in see. any way like push somebody out of something everybody's a center right so you could construct some sort of something that you think is pushing somebody out but that is literally you've just that's just a thing in your head it's not real so you think about all moments of peace and liberation are moments at some level of i've all i'm home i've always been home right this whatever this person said did or tried to do was utterly futile because I'm here. Right. And I haven't even thought about breathing in the past couple of minutes. So even I'm being breathed, something is breathing me. Yeah. I'm a, I'm not thinking something's thinking me. <laughs> I've always yeah. belonged. I've been doing my own uh, deep dive into Rupert Spira recently. Yeah. I good. Pronounce yeah. Him. Our guy, our guy, Rupert. Well, and I guess Ken, Ken Wilbur as well. Yeah. Yeah. When you come to see separation, as a lens and then you move to wholeness as a lens and yeah. all parts exist within holes that pure yeah. awareness is a seamless one and all right. senses thoughts and perceptions arise within that now you now the game gets really fun yeah now learning really to see fun. things as as holarchies rather than hierarchies is yes. a game changer absolutely game changer yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, actually when you came to, to Brooklyn a number of years ago, uh, I asked you a question in front of everyone and I, I said, it sounds like a lot of what you're doing is Bonhoeffer's religionless Christianity mixed with Teilhard de Chardin. And you just laughed out loud in front of everybody. And it was <laughs> such a wonderful moment because I felt like I knew the insider code, but I think <laughs> if I can give you a compliment in one way is just, I think we often want to, to assume that we have a work to do for the world, but actually it's like Ram Dass. Our work for the world is to work on us. Yes. Yes. And I think that in some ways you've been a pretty consistent person of doing your own self work, staying true to your intuition and in, in some ways that kind of modeled or gave permission to the rest of us to do that as well. And just to see it done, mm. 
is enough to be like, oh, I can do it too. Yeah, there is no out there out there. So this idea that there's an interior and exterior, there's me and what's happening to me. And then there's, so this idea of the planet, there is no the planet or the environment. You know all this. You can feel that that actually isn't a thing we we are so the person who's all upset about what's happening to the planet i absolutely 100 percent feel with you it's just find that in yourself and Mm. there will be plenty of interesting things to do or the person who's upset about the state of the or even the person who says the world's falling apart they have absolutely no evidence for this that's a should they have Mm. in their head the world should be something other than it is. Well, it's not what you have in your head that it should be. So you have picked a war with reality. So when a person says this thing should be something other than it is, the world's falling apart. Is it even what they're essentially saying is I have picked a war with reality because the world isn't how they think it should be. It is how it is. Right. So the suffering isn't this world out of you. You created the suffering with your should. Yeah. So clean that up. And generally what the the person is telling you about themselves, there's a war in here. And you can already see how they've picked it. So they just projected outward. So you are the projector and it's the screen. And pretty much everybody we meet when we're talking about them it's it's a projector onto a screen and then a projector back on a screen. And if you clean the projector, then everybody becomes your teacher. They have come to show me what's present in me. There's plenty to do there. I've got, I've got plenty to inquire of and examine here in here. Yeah. And that's how you would ever have world peace or you would have a planet that doesn't go off a cliff. Uh, Right. So you, you have projectors running around projecting this onto, um, yeah. So the, you, uh, I love how you said that, but yes, we, love ourselves Hmm. and we find all of it within us and it radiates outward in all sorts of interesting ways so people like skip over the interior and think because they think there's some exterior and now you of course in quantum physics you have the observation of the particle affects what the particle even does so you would have in quantum physics going there is no objective observer the the very act of witnessing is changing things. So there is no line. There is no interior, exterior. There no. is no here, there. All of it is actually a seamless one reality. A holarchy. It is. <laughs> but th- th- I think that's one of the things that's been so fascinating is uh, Ken Wilber, he wrote a book called No Boundary. That's a pretty good one. But this, what's so Oh, yeah. So, oh, that's actually, that's actually, yeah, one of his finest. Yeah. By the way, I, can I tell you a Ken Wilber story just for fun? Sure. Because <laughs> you okay. met him a couple years ago, right? Oh, okay. this might have a little bit of this might have a little bit of a douchebag factor, but can I just tell it anyway? Sure. Yeah. He and I are hanging out, and he's as you imagine. Like you just ask him a question, and then he just goes, and it's just pure delight because you're just yeah. sitting there, like, "Oh my God, Ken Wilber's just going off right now. This is the best." <laughs> At one yeah. point, 
at one point he said, you know, it's like what we talk about when we talk about God. And I was like, wait, wait, did he just say that? And he proceeded, <laughs> he proceeded to drop in the course of three minutes, a series of Easter eggs demonstrating that he knew kind of everything I'd ever done backwards and forwards as if it was like a tweet. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. He demonstrated to me, I know kind of your entire body of work, <laughs> but I digested it over a sandwich, you know, 17 yeah. months ago. Or so. He didn't say it. It was so awesome. <laughs> like this, this, my entire body of work to him was like a, just like a, <laughs> just oh. like that's humbling. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was the best. But uh, that, oh, that's, best. I think, the shift, though. When you can <laughs> when you can step back and see the whole thing, you see how your part is this. I mean, it's a small little part of it, but it's still a part of it. It's yeah. A little blip. <laughs> yeah, everybody. Everybody, yeah. That's, it's, a, it's a, yeah. Mm-hmm. Everything we all bolts. get to be part of it. It's fantastic. Yeah. I, um, I was curious because... Uh, as I was reading through this book into the wee hours last night, um, I believe you said way back at some point that you realized that every new project was somehow some, the next thing that you needed to heal. Did you? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 As you look at this, do you see the word for it? Pardon? As you, as you look back at the book now, do you see how a part of you was brought together again? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Even, even. I remember. I, I, this book asked for a very specific order rule of life: drop your daughter off at school, sit down, oh. pick the story up. I remember I, on Sundays I would start planning out lunches for the week and getting everything I needed so I wouldn't at lunchtime have to be like, what am I going to have for lunch? Um, right. And all of a sudden it'd be time to pick my daughter up from school and be like, whoa. Because the other books were written for, I would just a, an hour or two in the morning and then, God, can I please go out and play? Like, can I go do something else? Uh, yeah. But this was like a, a whole way of, and then I started my other things I was doing afterwards early morning after we like it was just asking for a particular kind of yeah and i'm about to start writing again and i already can feel it it asks for a particular kind of thing order and rule of life and the the is it okay if i give myself to this story because it keep the more i follow it the bigger and wider and yeah book two book three um it just keeps inviting me to like really follow it and give it what it's asking for am i can i do this or almost like no i have a thing that i do and it was like wait i don't i decide Hmm. so a friend of mine was very helpful she's like yeah you can go around the world handing out permission slips, Rob Bell. Like yeah. that's, you can go do what you've been doing for years. That doesn't mean that you don't, on a regular basis, need that. Right. So there's a very tender, very tender, very vulnerable. Can I? Can I just? 
you don't even know who you're asking. You're asking your deeper self, can I just follow this? Yeah. This is so, this is so delightful. Yeah. This is so doing something to me. It's, it's the need to, it's, it's almost like liberating me from the need to explain. It's mm -hmm. this, the subcon, I, I really, the subconscious where I would read back over a section and, mm like I hadn't just written it and notice uh, experiences coming to mind from my life, oh, grief, yeah. loss, ache, that, oh, that's all in there, but not explicitly, obviously, because we're on a different planet. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so some, the, the power of the subconscious, uh, it wasn't long after that that I started painting. So uh, there's like, Oh yeah, here in the garage here. There's just paintings everywhere. Wow. Um, so, so yeah, some larger kind of expression that, yeah, yeah, almost feels like everything was a warm up for this. That's what it felt like. And then when I would share it with friends, or I would, even now since it's been out, I've never had this kind of connection and mm. interaction and. Uh, you're telling me about holding her hand at MoMA. Um, yeah. So when people started reading, friend, like one friend just said, I, I, I like your other stuff is fine, but this is like what it's like to actually be your friend. Right. You right. cook up this world of spaceships and planets and your friends are like, this is actually the most. You. Yeah. So yeah, no, there's like a, yeah, there's something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's some sort of innocence and some sort of, and and the interviews about this in, inevitably, it's like becoming the side door. It's like for years I was talking oh. about big stuff, God, yeah, God, heaven, hell, God, Jesus, peace, and then right. you come in the side door, and yeah. it, not only are you there, you're in a more even significant way than when you were trying. <laughs> right. Well, that's, I think, um, I already shared with you, I did a whole life before the Appalachian Trail. And then there's mm -hmm. a whole life afterwards, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I think there must have been 17 iOS updates of john that happened during that time. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, but that shift from theologic to theopoetics has ah, been yeah. right. so right. colorful. It's yeah. got so much more yeah. texture. It's got yeah. so much more soul in it. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you're just wrecked by Starry Night. Yeah. And you don't need to then stand at a distance and analyze because you're just there getting wrecked by Starry Night. That's it. That's all. That's, yeah. There isn't some other thing that now needs to be added to that. Or like, what was that? Or, or to protect myself from the, no, that's, yeah. Just walking through the MoMA. And Bang. <laughs> so speaking about grief though, in here, the main character experiences grief. You recently had your father pass away. I'm so mm -hmm. sorry. My Thank father you. passed away just before COVID. And mm. just like, two or three months before the big drop happened. 
Yeah. And I'm grateful that he didn't experience that whole season of COVID because he would have been greatly at, at risk. But there's something about grief that at least Heen in the, in the book too, and of course that's got a reflection on you somehow, the grief often just sits in there. It sits in you until you're ready to finally acknowledge it. And Heen has got his own numbness, I guess, where he starts falling into just a factory lifestyle, repeat and repeat and repeat until he, yeah, breaks down. And I love how he, and I love how he wonders. He's like, I think, I, 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 he's like, I, I think my numbness is why I'm so good at my job. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. he's contemplating, he thinks he's the best series five in the, he, I think I might be one of the series. I think I'm the best in the universe. He, but he's like, but then gradually he realized, I think I'm really good at my job because I'm literally standing at a distance from my own life because right. I'm so numb because of grief that goes back decades. Yeah. And he, and, and one of the things that I, is really compelling to me is how, as he begins to feel, and he can't figure out why in this place he begins to feel, but I love how the first thing when he starts to actually feel is supernatural irritation about this guy named Dill Tud. The first <laughs> feeling isn't, it's amazing to be alive. Irritation. Euphoria. Yeah. The first thing when he does feel is just like, why does this guy, this presumed familiarity. Yeah. So I, I, to me, uh, one of the really interesting things to me was to explore. Yeah, I'm numb, I'm numb, I'm numb. Now I'm starting to feel. But the first feelings, <laughs> numb, numb was kind of nice compared to this. This is feeling. Right, because now I'm just irritable terrible. and angry. Some guy who's like, can't understand the set. What is these sentences he's doing? What the- yeah. <laughs> but that's the game. I think that's right. Uh, that's the thing. That's. And um, I really just, when I was at MoMA and I was looking at Starry Night, I just wanted to smack the phones out of people's hands. Yeah. Like, stop, yeah, yeah. just stop this. And it, Yeah. What was, what, um, uh, my daughter and I, over the weekend, she, she was showing me, because Olivia Rodrigo has a new album out, and she was showing me um, all these different promo appearances she's doing. And the Today Show appearance, everybody everybody is holding up a camera in the front to film uh, it. And yeah. my daughter and I were laughing so hard that everybody <laughs> is filming a thing that is being filmed. But like, it's not like a show where you're like, I wonder That's if right. this tour is going to get filmed. The Today Show is a filming. I'm at a filming, filming so I can have my own crappy copy. Right. And there are like 50 cameras Production level lights and everything. I have to capture this moment. Somebody is spending millions of dollars to capture this moment for me. And tomorrow they're going to put it for free on the interweb so that I can have it. But I need to hold a box like up in front of my face. So weird. It's so weird. (laughs) One of the things that I do is uh, I'm a, I'm a professor at Eastern and I teach intro to Christian spirituality. And the main gist of it is really emotionally healthy spirituality, trying to teach them mysticism without them knowing. Sometimes mm. they get to know it. But I mean, it's mm-hmm. so much about being connected and present and aware of your body, listening to your internal compass. It's like so striking that 
the tradition doesn't teach its own tradition sometimes. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, right. right. But in that class, I actually have my students open up their smartphone and look at their daily screen time. And we, we do the math of, all right, this is how much time you spend a day. One second. Can you, can you pause one second? Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I'll fix it later. I'll fix it later. Thank you. My apology. We're back okay. on. Um, I, okay, have keep my, going. All right. I have my students do the math. Like if this is how much screen time you spend a day, here's it times seven for a week, times four for a month, times mm. 52 weeks Whoa. a year. Right. Across a 60-year lifespan, subtracting the time that you spend sleeping and that we just do the math. It's like if you live to be 80, do you want to spend that much of your life looking at life through a rectangle? And what are the numbers? Oh, it's like people are easily spending three decades of their life looking at a phone of conscious time. Not sleep. Three decades. It depends on what their average is. Some people are better than others. But it, so much of – and that's when I try to bring in this idea of integrity in the class. I was trying to – I do wordplay a lot. My mom was a literacy professor. And I was like, what's the opposite of integrity? Unintegrity, it's a disintegrity, disintegrated. What? Disintegrated, right. Right, right, right. Isn't that great? Putting it together, be like, oh, a life with integrity is one that has all of its parts together. It's a whole, and it's not, it doesn't do the subject object divide. It's more about the intersubjectivity of all things. And, yes. uh, man. Here's one. Uh, I have, can I, I have a thought about what you're talking about. Can I share go, it with you? Yeah, yeah, go for it. It's really interesting what you're doing with those students. Um, about the nature of experience. One time I took an iPod back when we had like actual iPods yeah. and had a cigarose yes. song loaded and was speaking and walked out into the audience and just said, I just need a volunteer and handed the headphones to a guy yeah. and played him while the whole place just sat. Well, one guy put in headphones and, and I played Cigaros and then. Do you remember what song? Uh, no, I don't. Okay. Um, Glos I can't even say it. Yeah. Um, and then asked him to describe the song. And this lovely fella was like, uh completely wow. had no idea yeah. how to describe the song and what he did describe how many of you now can hear the song based how many, how many of you can imagine based on what he had said wow. and that this is essentially and then played everybody the song oh okay it was like yeah. notice how your experience of the song was you were absolutely unable to get anywhere near it from somebody else giving their experience of the song words. Essentially what you're doing with your students is this tradition is not about 
talking about things or even describing them right. from others. It is about you hearing the song. Yeah. Yeah. It's about you, your experience of the song. <laughs> I mean, Shalom. Yeah. Harmony. It's musical. It's about, <laughs> always been about experience. Yeah. Um, so you shared a cigarro story. Can I share one mine? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Uh, so when I was hiking the Appalachian Trail, I was a disintegrated, fragmented person with a lot of anger and frustration, sadness, um, disappointment, all of it. But I was listening to Arabatur, which is the song of theirs that has the Harry Potter choir in it. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it swells up in the last seven minutes. And I was just north of Hot Springs, North Carolina. And I got to a, a fire tower where you can look out and see if there's a fire in the forest, you know, for the forest rangers. And uh, not many people wanted to be around me because I was a wreck. But I climbed to the top and there were four other couples trying to have date night up there to watch the sunset. And I walk up. And they all look so annoyed that the place is that busy that all eight of the other people left. And then I'm alone at the top of this fire tower. And so I put in cigarros and I'm listening to Arbitur and I'm watching this blood red sunset happen. And it's just gorgeous. And then the music swells. And of course, I just start crying. And of course, I, only I can hear this music until it became too much. And I was like, I need to rein it in. And I did a 180 and looked in the opposite direction of the sunset. And in the same moment, there was a blood orange moon rise happening at the same time. Whoa. And so I saw a sunrise, sunset and a moon rise. And it was like, I just couldn't escape beauty. I'm listening to it and I'm looking at all of it. But I think um, there's something inherently healing about beauty maybe because it can't be explained it can only be experienced and there's these flash moments of uh i guess in spiral dynamics we like maybe have a moment where we shift up to yellow or to teal or turquoise and then we come back down after three seconds we're like oh my gosh that was the most beautiful thing i've ever had and i think Something is profound because that was eight years ago. And I still remember the shade of orange and red and yellow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But um, there's we have a real need to have these Diltud-like people in the world. We need to have these figures. And, and uh, if at best all some people have is a literary version of a dill tud or a Rafiki, that's enough. I feel like there's few of them, but when you meet them, you're like, oh, this person's got it. Oh, there's so many of them. There's so many. Would of you them say you've had a, a good number of dill tuds in your life? Absolutely. Absolutely. You glimpsed, you, you, you saw clearly your own true nature. This thing about beauty. You saw how the world actually is. Yeah. You, you saw, you saw clearly. And then you've been integrating that experience, like gradually, yeah. like just, just hearing 
who you are who you are you are that experience just becomes more and more a tuesday that's just life yeah so we have these what would be called peak experiences which simply show us the true nature of things and then we learn and then we just gradually learn to integrate them as we learn of how the things we've clinged and grasped to that we can just let go of and so like even like you know peace or happiness aren't anything you can get they they're your true nature so you're undoing and unlearning yeah which is called waking up waking up and showing (laughs) up yeah you familiar with the dream are you familiar with the whole the the dream to wake up thing about the nature of a dream so think about a dream. No, no, no. Okay, so no, so you have a dream. In the dream, there's a tree, a bike, Saddam Hussein, your third grade teacher. I don't know, whatever's in your dream. You <laughs> Hippopotamus. Know, just, yeah. You tell whoever you know the next morning. You're like, oh my god, there was this mud, and there was this hippopotamus, and there was this. So the nature of a dream is there are these separate objects that are all interacting with each other. Yeah. Generally, just just bits and pieces of our own subconscious, nonetheless. Right. There are all these separate objects. And so the, the drama or the story that's unfolding in a dream is because this thing is over here and this thing's here and this thing is trying to do this and this is holding me back and I have no pants on over here, whatever it is. <laughs> so, but then if we were to ask you, John, what, is, what are your dreams made of? You'd be like, my dream's made of? Yeah, what is the substance of a dream? Uh, You'd say, well, I don't know, thoughts, subconscious thoughts. Okay, so what, if, if the substance that a dream is made out of is thoughts, then what appears to be all separate entities interacting with each other uh. are actually all made of the same substance. There's a, so what you are waking up to, so in a dream you have an image of the actual nature of the waking state. So the dream shows you the actual truth of the waking state because in the dream it all appears to be separate. All these parts are actually a whole. So then when somebody right. is waking up, they are waking up to the the one nature of it that continually yeah. presents itself as a whole series of disparate bits and pieces that are disintegrated and are binding to be integrated. Yeah. So when you have this experience of beauty, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Of course <laughs> it wakens something within you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like oh I think I think the whole thing's actually yeah, it all it's all belongs. It's all belongs. <laughs> Isn't that great? I love that. I love that. I love that the nature of the human experience is in your sleep. You're given like a an analogy or a simile yeah. or whatever this metaphor. In your what happens in your sleep is just a picture of the thing that is the reality of waking. <laughs> like yeah. whoever's designed this whole thing was like, let's drop that thing. <laughs> Every night when you go to sleep, you'll be given a reminder of what you're doing during the day. Wow. <laughs> And sometimes you'll remember it. Sometimes you won't, but yeah. you'll always be living out yeah. of it. Yes. Yes. I would imagine for you, as you said, <laughs> the real, I hope it's a real joy of talking about this book is that you can't necessarily predict where the, the interview or the question, the conversations might go with some of your other books you could probably predict. Uh, most books, I, over the years, I would laugh and tell Kristen, yeah, I'm going to start doing interviews for this book. Uh, the, I'm going to find out what the seven questions are. 
Because there literally would there I would be seven questions with a couple different what's your shoe size or wow. do you like coffee like otherwise yeah buy a couple interviews in and be like okay these are the seven questions. But so this, what's it like seeing your this? book have a different experience for different people? That's almost best. like you get to experience it hundreds of times. I don't know how many interviews you're doing. Right. Right. That's that just unbelievably enjoyable. I'm good. That's... And I do the and I do these uh it's changed everything. I do these things in Ojai here where people come to Ojai and we sit together under the trees for two days yeah. and people just bring their question. And one by one like people just sit across from me and tell me the question. Which by the part where through the first day, most people are like, my question since I got here has changed 10 times. Um, <laughs> and I don't know anything about the person. So I'm going to learn what their name is, what they're doing in the world. And within 30 seconds, people are into their deepest questions, confusions, anger, joy, euphoria, yeah. angst, and... And everybody else is watching, sitting around watching. But then within 30 seconds, people who are like, I'm not a surgeon in North Carolina. I'm not a yeah. birth doula in Oregon. <laughs> and yet 30 seconds in, people are like, oh, but I, oh, I know what they're talking about there. Yeah. So everything's merging because people are like, everybody is everybody. And I don't have any idea where it's headed. And we get to watch the person see, see who they are in a new way and find clarity and Oh yeah, yeah. All those. That's a real joy. That's beautiful. Oh God, it's the best. So not. I spent years. Well, like the Gods Aren't Angry tour that you came to in November of two thousand seven. That was crafted, rehearsed, memorized. Like that was like a tight hour and forty, just done like with like a an arc and like ebbs and flows and energetic like and the more like when I go out like that and do that every day for a month in a different city like it gets super like the performance of it yeah so now years later to be like walking into a room or uh walking under the trees or talking to you and nothing's prepared because it was all preparation and now we'll just be present and see what happens yeah it's just the best i love it so (laughs) much i love it so much (laughs) <laughs> I, uh, maybe one more thing uh, I hope you're a fan of Sufjan Stevens uh, I've no, I know that I know him I know who okay. he is well he just put out a, a new album this week and he has a song called Everything That Rises and uh, he's just quoting Teilhard de Chardin in that everything that rises must converge mm-hmm. and everything everything that wakes up to the reality of what is everything that rises into its own maturity and fullness of what it's supposed to be, those figures tend to gravitate towards each other somehow. And that's a beautiful place to be at that convergence point. I would imagine mm. you. That's beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're, it's very easy. Well, what you said about screen time, it's very easy for people to tell and craft a story about what's happening in the world based on bits and fragments that they got off their phone. And then other people are like, yeah, I know the world's getting great. And it's all just completely made up. They've completely crafted supposedly 
intelligent, you know, I'm just tuned in. I can just see this. The, and it's all like, you could also see everything rising. Yeah. Everything that most repulses you is some form of evolutionary course correction showing you something about yourself. It's yeah, yeah. Like, like even what other universe were you in? You know, it's things just aren't evolving fast enough. What universe were you in? <laughs> right. That, that it should be fast. It was unfolding. Like when atoms began to bond with other atoms to form molecules 13 billion years ago, or molecules began to form with other molecules to form cells or organic cellular matter at the 9 billion mark. Was that okay with you, that speed? But this is what, the, what I love. Was that speed okay? Or the earth was formed 4.5 billion years ago? How'd that for you? Was that, was that happen fast enough in the course of the unfolding? Because, and this is why I love what you said earlier. You're showing us, you're invited to have, you, you, you can experience your own unfolding with grace and be kind to yourself. So all of the like rights and science and earth care and it should be happening faster. Sure. But I think we're talking about ourselves and extending grace to each of us waking up. Yeah. I was just having a conversation with someone recently about how your life is your curriculum. Yes. Yes. John is doing, John is, this is John's curriculum. John's doing great. Yeah. Doing great. Yeah. He's following his curriculum. It's doing great. The earth, whatever. Yeah. The earth, like, like this idea that like, like it should be happening fast. John should not be happening faster. John's happening. How fast John is happening. It's good. Yeah. There's no no other John. Like John should be, there is no other John. There is this John. So let's love this John. Yeah. Everything (laughs) I have is already yours. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. And that will, that, that is how the world has peace. We should probably finish on that. <laughs> but thank you so much, Rob. I, oh, I love, love to. to wonderful. I would love to talk again whenever book books two okay. through nine come out. <laughs> and that would be a real joy just, and a privilege. I just love that somebody somewhere is like, "Let's pay John to shape young minds." <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That well, happens somewhere. Somewhere in a meeting. Somewhere, Some somebody's like, that a good idea. Let's yeah. give him a room with some chairs, maybe a whiteboard or a projector, whatever the kids are doing nowadays. The whiteboard is where it's at. Him loose, and he can like come up with a I just love it. Cool. I love that. That's a, that's a beautiful world where you and everything that you've been through are now like to do that. It's wonderful. Thank you, Rob. Loved it. Loved, Loved it. it. Piddle, piddle, piddle. Piddle, piddle, piddle. Yeah. <laughs> bye bye. Bye.